0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Thank Your Pain podcast, where we go over the lessons and blessings from the painful moments in our lives. And today I have with me client and friend, Jerry Sauceda, DJ, finance expert, um, and he has gone through a lot <laughs> in the last few months. And I'm going to let him dive into his story, but I really wanted to bring him on today because apart from going through a lot in the last few months, he's also gone through a complete and total transformation in career, in life, in how he is as a father, in relationships, even as someone who connects with their spirituality. So thank you so much for coming today, Jerry, on the podcast. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and then we can dive into your story?
1: Yeah, no doubt at least. So, hey, first, I, I want to give you kudos and shout out. So <laughs> thank you so much uh, for doing this and, uh, you know, for what you're doing for men's mental health. And uh, it's it's been huge for me. So, um, but yeah, you know, giving a little background about myself, um, you know, I'm 36, native to Texas, uh, born and raised here and, um, you know, a big part of my community. I'm a single dad to a 15-year-old daughter, which I know is shocking to a lot of people, Um, you know, when they look at me and think, you know, how young I look. Um, But, uh, you know, myself, I was actually uh, one of four kids to teenage parents. Um, So both my parents were very young when they had uh, me and my siblings, and I didn't really get and understand how that impacted me growing up. Um, But I can say this, I'm very proud of it. You know, my parents are still married to this day, and I admire them very much. Some of the hardest workers I know. Um, And so uh, myself, I've been uh, self-employed and entrepreneur for uh, over 10 years now. Uh, I run uh, an insurance agency, I've been in financial services, Uh, but one of my biggest passions uh, that was kind of in the closet, I'm sure we'll talk about it more, is I've been a DJ pretty much for about 18 years. Um, but really didn't bring it to the forefront and the light uh, until recently. And uh, so that's been a big part of um, you know, what I enjoy doing, what I'm passionate about, what I want to pursue and just loving music and what it does for life. But uh, you know, so you know, I'm a father, I'm a DJ, like you talked about, entrepreneur, um, very, very community involved and um, also now a big uh, men's mental health advocate you know, and, and working with other people and seeing them break through um, break cycles.
0: Wow. So in a nutshell, your life has actually had a lot of adversity, right? Like one of four children to teenage parents. How old were your parents when they, when they had you?
1: Yeah. And so, so when I say teenage, right, I think there's a huge difference between considering a, a teenage parent who's maybe 19 versus where my parents were at in life. You know, my mom being 15, my dad's 17. And wow. that is significant. And, and considering the fact that I'm not even the oldest, you know, I have a brother who's a, a year and a half older and then a sister who's 11 months younger. So it's hard enough imagining those dynamics of being a teen parent to one child, uh, but being a teen parent to three, then they decided to take a, like a little bit of a gap and had my youngest brother five years later. So yeah, uh, they had their hands full uh, by their early 20s, that's for sure.
0: Wow. Wow. That is, that is insane. So born in Texas, teenage parents with multiple siblings um, to teenage parents. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you growing up in that environment?
1: You know, I, I believe it's one of those things that you probably hear probably, uh, I mean, from other people where it's almost like you don't realize you're poor or the situation you're in until someone tells you. And so, you know, for myself, my earliest memories were probably around four or five years old. And uh, I think to myself, it was no different than maybe anybody else that has family dynamics where they've got close uh, siblings in age. It's just like you've always got a friend there and someone to play with and things to do. Um, And even just our living situation, we moved often. And I just thought like that was the norm. Uh, We kind of like, My parents would get on their feet, they would move out. And then it was like, get into a situation where it was like, okay, let's move back in with mom and dad, you know, my grandma and grandpa. And that was fun and cool for me as a kid because it was like, oh, I get to see them and, you know, ride the bus home to their house. And, uh, you know, they were really a a big part of my raising as well. Um, But for me, it just kind of felt normal to be in that situation and really didn't realize. that my parents were basically kids themselves, raising kids at the time.
0: Right. Yeah. That's so insane. Obviously as children, we don't know a difference, right? Cause that's all we have. And it can be fun as a kid to have lots of siblings and, you know, your parents are young. So chances are they have like a lot of energy. Unlike if, you know, your parents are super old, I guess. Right. Yeah. So, but as an adult um, and maybe we can, talk about this later on the conversation. Do you think that that had an impact on you when you look back, when you look back on it?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I think both in a, um, I wouldn't want to categorize and say positive and negative. It was the way that I probably viewed it and said, Hey, it was positive and negative. Um, because I also know for a long time, like I held resentment towards my parents thinking like, how could they be so irresponsible? You know, how can you be, teen parents and not only bringing one child into the world, bringing multiple children into the world uh, and knowing, like, man, maybe how difficult that was going to be or whatnot. Um, But on the flip side of it, too, I also saw, like, the resilience and just, like, uh, the level of love and commitment they had for each other, um, the willingness for them to put aside the things that they wanted maybe for their life, to take care of their family and their kids and uh, really just seeing like their work ethic, you know, they made no excuses, considering the situation that they were in, knowing like, hey, we were really everything that they had, and there was no other option. So um, I, I, like I said, now I view it, and I don't like categorizing the saying like, oh, that was the negative part of it. It, it really was all um, just life. I
0: Absolutely. And when I say impact, that's, that's exactly what I mean, right? Like impact is just something that had an effect on us, right? So that's really cool that you're able to view it now as this. And that's exactly how I view my childhood too, right? It's really dysfunctional, but like it is what it is and it doesn't have to be good or bad. It doesn't have to be so polar as we, as we make it out. But the reason why you're in that state of mind is because of what you've learned in the adversity that you've been through in the last few months. So I'd like to fast forward from childhood to basically your story in the last few months. And if you could kind of recant that for everybody who's listening, like what you've kind of been through and, and what you learned.
1: Yeah, um, so I think really that the last few months have kind of been a culmination of probably the last, um, I think maybe 15 years, you know, really from the point in time. And, you know, when I, when I became a dad and I'll, and I'll kind of like try to be succinct with that, but, you know, becoming a dad at 21, um, but then a few years after that, going through a, a year long custody battle for my daughter, you know, a three year old little girl in the state of Texas. And at the time, you know, I was granted primary custody uh, of my daughter. And so being a, a single dad to a daughter, you know, and not knowing, you know, one taking care of my needs, but taking care of a little person's like that, um, you know, that was pretty significant in my life uh, and influencing my decisions, the things that I like kind of decided to do or not to do uh, or pursue. Um, but then a few years later, I also then uh, after, um, separating from her mom, you know, as a single dad for about three years, I ended up meeting my first, I guess, ex-wife at that time there. And so um, we met, got married. And even through all of that, I see like there were so many things that I was kind of looking through a lens or making decisions on what it is that I thought I wanted and was looking for in a partner and a person uh, then, but ultimately we divorced, you know, after uh, three years. And so um, went through another period or phase of my life where I was a single dad for two years. And then I met my uh, now ex-wife, you know, and so here I am going back through this cycle and I thought, okay, I would never get married again and up find another person. Uh, we date, get married, and uh, we end up, being married for about two and a half years. And uh, that was up until this past summer. And um, we went through a separation and divorce as well. And so that was really over the course of this last six months. Um, But it was kind of that during that time that it became very apparent to me that there were some habits and patterns that I was like, okay, um, what are the common denominators and what's going on? Um, You know, I also look at like for someone, not only myself, but my ex-wife, we went through a tremendous amount of counseling and programs, you know, whether that was secular or within like our uh, religious backgrounds and beliefs, and it was just like, why not necessarily are these like not working, but they really don't seem to be helping us make any progress. Um, and so over the course of the last six months, you know, I've just gone through a major, major paradigm shift and so many things in the way that uh, I view them, have experienced them. Um, but now I think having better awareness of not only how I experience them, but the way that I'm allowing other people to influence that experience. And it's been on a lot of different levels. Um, you know, so some of the things that I, I went through was, first of all, just struggling with this major identity crisis, um, and I was carrying that out in so many different ways, right? Of like who um, I, I thought Jerry needed to be or was supposed to be in terms of being a, a husband, uh, a provider, a father, um, you know, as, as a Christian you know, and uh, how they should serve or be a part of the church and the community. And, um, you know, as I even like tried my best to carry that out, yet within me, my conviction or, you know, being genuine to myself, I was like compromising all of that. And I could feel that and I knew that. And it was like trying to like, just be like, like a split personality. Someone out in public, someone at home and even someone away from my, my wife or spiritual leaders, my community, my, uh, you know, people that I work with. And so, um, so do you feel
0: like you were like wearing like a mask? Like you said, you talked about like two identities, like which, which was your, were you able to be authentic with any of them?
1: No. And, and so I would say, so I would agree. And I would say this, it was multiple masks. (laughs) So, uh, you know, it was really like you go into a different environment and like, what mask do I need to wear here? Um, You know, what do I need to become to be liked by this individual, this group of people, uh, or to connect in a way where I'm gonna be accepted, right? And so, yeah, I think the best way that I could put it is I've really had this like chameleon-like personality. And I had kind of like grown into this like understanding of like oh but that's such a good thing because I can connect with so many different people uh, and I think especially as, as a professional in business it's like oh you know you you got to network you gotta build a relationships you gotta find uh, common interest in, you know amongst so many people however like I didn't see to the extent a- and what it was doing as far as who I was as a person and carrying all those masks yet. Yeah.
0: That's so insane. So what was the one moment then where, you know, if you're going through your whole life like this, switching masks and at some points you're like, this is a really good thing for me. What was the one moment that you're like, I, I, things need to be different. Like, I can't wear this mask anymore.
1: You know, there, there were a um, few... Real, I, I think for myself personally, like there was some very, very strong conviction at points over the course of uh, this last year where I just kind of had that, that internal feeling, that intuition, or maybe just knowing like, man, something's got to change. But even then, like, um, as strong as that was, it, it really was a matter of uh, coming down to a point where, like I said, someone influential in my life or that I looked at and held to a high esteem actually told me and this was this was my my pastor at the time who said there is no help for you and that was a major turning point for me because i think for the first time uh like i said my my conviction my personal belief was like i didn't agree with that i just wholeheartedly did not agree with that and I was like I just felt like you know what um, from coming from an individual or from a group or a setting where everything that we believe or support is, is that like, you know, there's unconditional love, you know, everybody's got grace, there's opportunity for change, those kind of things, people can be helped to hear that was like, no. And, uh, and I really just kind of felt like um, almost in a, and, and I've had to like get out of this thought process of feeling like being selfish is a bad thing because when it comes to taking care of yourself, just like it sounds, take care of yourself. And so um, being able to take that moment and say, okay, I cannot depend on someone else to try to lead me to answers or change that only I can make.
0: That is so, so powerful. And it sounds like that moment was almost like the straw that breaks the camel's back to, you holding up the facade of your life and just to give um, everybody who's listening some context not to share your story too personally but you know what Jerry just kind of went through with us is that he grew up in this environment that you know he really loved he didn't think was abnormal as a child um, but created this dynamic where he felt the need to be a chameleon and to wear these masks, And after a while, it started to, it sounds like started to weigh on you, right? You've had a divorce already at this point, a separation from, you know, your child's mother. And now going through a third divorce, trying everything in your power to make it work, you know, counseling, um, religious groups, and really relying on the church to be of support. And when you asked, being told there's no help for you, right? Like I, I can only imagine the feeling of that moment where you just feel like, oh my God, there's, <laughs> who is on my side, mm-hmm. right? if even my pastor is saying this to me, like what is, you know, like what's left for me, but you had this conviction within you that said, no, like I have to find. So then at that moment, at that point, what did you do, right? Where did you go?
1: Yeah. You know, I think it becomes one of those, um, it's almost, almost like a child. Like I have a, a niece that's three years old, Uh, right now and you know they they ask questions and then they just keep digging and say but why but why but why you give them an answer and it's just like that's not good enough I just need to get deep dig deeper and um it, it almost became like that for me in having that moment and just really looking at it from um being so open-minded in a way where I was like, you know what, I'm not gonna restrict myself to just saying, you know what, um, this one particular belief system or this one book, this one school of thought, like it's got, I have to fit myself in one of those to figure it out. Because what happens when you don't? Like, and that was kind of my thing. And so it really just became a a place of like, you know what, I'm really open to allowing myself to be fully exposed. And thing when I'm fully exposed is like, you know what, like every option is on the table. And um, at that point, there were things, I mean, that were happening in, in parallel. Uh, part of that is we had had our first consultation, I think it was like March timeframe. And it was in May that me and my wife separated and all this stuff fallout was kind of happening with those leaders and going through this conversation of like not having help. And what do you do from there? Um, but there was enough that was set in motion for me to know like you know what um, what are those next steps and I think through some of our conversations and even and just kind of again personal conviction was like now having some difficulty of like well who can I trust then or what can I trust because if I felt like that was the thing to do before and it led me here then where I go now um, and so I, I kind of I kind of applied, you know. I think a lot of what I what I've seen in business, and you talk about like success leaves clues. It's like, okay, who's been there before and seems to have gone through it and, and broken through it, and so you know, I reached out to people that. Um, I had connected with that I knew part of their stories and whether they had gone through um, whether it was like infidelity, whether divorce, you know, they um, were raised in maybe similar situations with uh, uh, young parents or just the dynamics of their family household. And, um, you know, there were a couple of those people that um, I reached out to um, and not only reaching out to them to because I knew their testimony, but I finally decided to be vulnerable and transparent with where I was at because I had some of these people there all along. I just was not allowing myself to be that person with them. And it's as that came out and I shared that, you know, um, the ability for them to be able to like provide some coaching or guidance. and, And a lot of it was not even giving advice. It was more just pondering or providing more questions. You know, helping me come to a lot of the answers that were already there like within me. And I think it was just affirmation, right? Affirmation of that conviction. And so that's kind of the route or avenue that I looked at. It was like, man, I saw that people, okay, they've been in similar places. They're still here today. What did they do? How did they break through that? Um, And then getting serious with, you know, um, for me, personal accountability, I hate. (laughs) I I love coaching, but I hate criticism, right? And so, um, you know, that was something that was a huge help with our initial sessions, was really having a level of like, hey, if I need to know that you're willing to put in the work, and if you are, like, here's some of the things that need to be done or taken care of. I'm not going to tell you or can't do it or can't feel for you, um, but I'm going to be there. I can provide some guidance, give some structure, some discipline or accountability around that, uh, and that was significant.
0: Wow. 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 So you went through this journey of, you know, the, the things, the structures that you had built in your life, the identities that you had taken on now falling away, right? You're going through this divorce. You're having this now what is turning into an identity crisis, right? Like who am I, if these masks are no longer working for me. So you're in an exploratory phase of like, who's been here before, what lessons do they have? And I love how people were not necessarily giving you advice because at that point in your life, you were still in the old mindsets, right? Of like the mask. So if I take their advice, I will adopt, you know, this other mask, but you were forced to start thinking about yourself in an authentic way. What does Jerry want to do next? Who is Jerry actually, right? And I think that is so, so powerful, for people who might be going through similar things right now, like a big maybe career change or a divorce themselves, or like you know the classic midlife crisis where we just we're different people, right? Like as people, we are bound to change, but nobody wants to accept that, right? Because we've grown so attached to our labels and our identities, and once that starts falling away, we become very afraid. And that's something similar that you experienced along with our coaching, right? It has all these identities are fading away and for you it was everything right it was it wasn't just one aspect of it. you it wasn't you just got a divorce it was like you switched churches and you got a divorce and you changed your friends and you started becoming completely different than who you were pretending mm-hmm. to be and that can be so, that would be scary for anybody right yeah. so we we had to go through also fighting the fear and how did you do that how did you fight the fear and and surrender into who you were meant to be, right? Cause you did it very quickly.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, even in just hearing that statement like fighting the fear, it, it's probably feeling like people are like, okay, like it's me against the fear. And at this point, like, it, like again, that was one of those paradigm shifts where I was like, I'm not wanting to fight the fear. I wanna press into the fear. Because like that's for, for myself and I saw that and maybe other people can relate to that. It was like, I saw my tendencies is like, again, I, I didn't want to deal with accountability. You know, I didn't like discipline. I kind of just like do as Jerry's going to do. But then I got to deal with my consequences. I procrastinate and put things off. Now I was like, you know what? It's, it's not like that's not going to happen. So how does that change? Okay, well, then I'm going to like press into that fear. And it, the thing is, it started with like the smallest of victories of like, okay, let me confront that, let me deal with that small thing. And then you know what I can, I can build off of that. So one, it really had to go through that shift of like, you know what, I'm not avoiding this anymore. I'm just not, I'm not gonna avoid it anymore. And, And regardless, and that that's the thing is that like, that was so hard, because that also meant like, you know what, well, then maybe people aren't gonna like that. People aren't going to accept that. Maybe people aren't going to love that person. You know, maybe that's going to affect my income, my business, my livelihood. How is that going to affect my relationship with my daughter? All of those things, which, however, that's exactly what needed to be dealt with. And that's exactly the fear that I was pressing into. And um, so breaking through that. And so, um, but but before I think in feeling like, okay, that is possible, that can happen is making that connection of like, why does someone put on the mask in the first place? You know, what was it for me? Like, why, what was the mask allowing me to be and, 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 and what was the mask getting from other people that I really generally, the guy behind the mask, I was really asking for, I really, really wanted. And that was the thing is, and, and the thing is, I just, I wanted affirmation. I, w- I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be accepted. And, and, you know, and even through the work that we did was understanding and seeing that, you know, what that came from uh, so deeply rooted or back into my childhood of now connecting and feeling like, man, I verbally have never heard my parents say, I love you. Until like my mid thirties, literally at least. And it was like, how difficult was that? But but not only that, but now as I'm working through and feeling like, okay, how I define and look at a man or a father, and there's probably many other men, maybe they've heard this is like, I don't know, as, as a young kid, what I associated with hearing like my father, and the resounding statement in my mind is like, wait till your father comes home. Because I would get a whooping for all the bad crap I was doing all day, right? And so it just had this negative connotation. I was like, man, I never looked forward to seeing my dad. I, I didn't associate anything positive coming from him. I didn't hear any positive affirmation from him. I never told like, I'm proud of you. I love you. I'm going to be there for you. Um, you know, I was working seven days a week from sunup to sundown. So not a part of any school events, any sporting activities, any of those kind of things. So now here I am wearing a mask. I was like, maybe this is gonna be the mask. that People will say like, man, I like that guy, Jerry. I'm proud of that guy, Jerry. I accept that guy, Jerry. I'll do business with that guy, Jerry. You know, and it was gonna get the, the result that I felt like was going to like fulfill everything. So I think once I made that connection of like, you know what, like the mask is getting poured into, the person isn't, I was like, well then screw that mask. And you know what, like, and I'm gonna be completely open and pressing into the fear. And part of that fear was then, what if people don't love Jerry? But more importantly, and I think for the first time in my life, like Elise was, and I shared this with you months ago, was getting to the point of saying, you know what? I love me, man, I love Jerry. Like I love this person. And the thing is, it's not easy. It's hard. Like I I, I also love that I know like there's days that I'm like, man, this sucks. And I wanna deal with that. Or I still have you know habits that I deal with or still get in my head or, or whatever the case might be. But now I'm like, you know what? Like it's not dependent on another person or an environment. And that really was a matter of like pressing into the fear.
0: That is so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that aspect, right? Because it's, it's the part of ourselves that none of us want to dive into because it's so painful to look Mm -hmm. at this and say, maybe I'm doing something because I don't feel lovable. Maybe I'm doing something because I just want to be seen or accepted or appreciated. And the fact that you, you know, like we don't you know, we don't have to say our parents are horrible people, or we're judging them or whatever, like it just is what it is. But to deny that it had an impact would, you know, be crazy, right? It does have an impact. And so you going into the world, and, and now being able to look at that and make that connection, you can finally start to heal that. And, and apart from you just trying to gain love from other people, you actually understood that weight, like, maybe I'm just not, accepting myself. Maybe I'm just afraid that who I am is not worthy enough, right? Making that connection to dad, not being home or not coming to the events. And, and that being said, you know, like you were also a young single dad, 21 years old. How do you think that, you know, having this mask and everything like that affected you as a father?
1: Oh, it was, it was substantial, substantial in, in ways that I, Um, up until probably, yeah, these last few months that I didn't quite see just how detrimental it actually was into the bond or relationship that me and my daughter had or the development of that. But then also I feel like, and that I was creating or feeding into like kind of that generational definition of like, what's a dad supposed to be? Because I just kind of fell into that as well. Like, okay, here I am as a dad, like, what what is a father what is a dad supposed to do like and i think immediately the connection is like oh you got to be a provider like and a provider just means like make ends meet put food on the table put a roof over the head put clothes on their back like and everything else is just like and you hear from so many people it's like you know it's not about you anymore well the crazy thing is as it's like we talked about being selfish and self-care. The more that it's become about me and me taking care of me, just like we talked about the analogy when you're on a plane, you know, you put your mask on first and then you put on your child. It's like the more that I've pressed into my own fears, taking care of myself and mentally, relationally, financially, physically, that is actually spilled over then into now um, how my daughter sees me as a father. And I think the way that she defines like, okay, that's my dad, you know, But before that, it was kind of really like, again, falling into that whole, um, you know, stigma of what's a dad supposed to be, according to society, according to Americans, oh, you're supposed to go work on nine to five, Monday through Friday, you know, you've got to, you know, pay the bills, do all those kind of things, you, you're just not um, verbal and vocal, you're not sentimental, you know, and all those kind of things that come along with that. And yet, all the time, like there just had this conviction within me. I was like, that's, that's not who I am, but I guess like that's who you're supposed to be. Like I associated and saw like, well, that's who my dad was. You know, he didn't know anything different than just work, you know, but here we are, I guess. So like, we're still alive today. That's good enough, right? And it's just like, it's like these standards of being a father and what role you play are just like at a minimum like are just like set here. Right, I was just going to say say that, that
0: like what society expects from fathers is like literally the bare minimum. Like as long as you just show up, like you're already, wow, you're (laughs) such a great dad. Like it's really sad to say that, but really that's what it is. A lot of pressure is put on the mother, but we forget that children need Mm -hmm. not just fathers, but strong fathers, fathers who are going to do more than just show up and it's unfortunate that it's it's not any fault of a dad for just doing that because that's what the message is that you're getting right Mm -hmm. so the the thing is is like you're growing up looking for this validation because of what your father kind of you know did what he had to do right to survive to take care of you guys but you're passing that on because that's all you know and then thinking wait a minute like Maybe this isn't how I want to show up as a dad for my daughter, right. and so on top of, you know, this identity crisis and whatever. Now you're sh- now you're showing up differently as a father, by sure. working on your own self care, which is insane, right? So can you, um, just for everybody who's listening, kind of give us a recap of like what did the old Jerry look like in career, in relationship, in fatherhood versus like what you have embodied now? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, um, it, it's, it's hard to believe that I'm even that same person, you know, that, not today, cause I almost, I really look at it as I'm like, I'm like, man, I just, it, it just seems like a complete different persona because that's what it is. And, you know, when you looked at that, uh, one was just falling into that, like you're supposed to kind of life, like. And so, you know, the pursuit of that one was like, again, okay, well, you got to get a job to pay the bills. Even if that means like, hey, you're not passionate about it, doesn't really matter to you, something you don't care about. Um, And so that's kind of what I did, you know, I had dropped out of college and I pursued a job to make sure to pay the bills and, you know, be a good provider and do all of that. And, you know, it quickly became like, um, it also here was the thing and i and i think um being mindful of it and maybe helping other men especially young men being in my 20s was um there is this common i felt like um projection on young men in the professional world to say like well, look at people 10 years older than you, 20 years older than you that have the life that they're living that maybe you want to live. And before you know it, like you put them in this box of like, that's what a mentor is. That's who I want to be like. I want to have those things, so on and so forth. However, here's the crazy thing is like five, 10 years down the road, as those are the people i followed or consider mentors, their lives were falling apart. Their marriages were falling apart. Their relationships with their kids were falling apart. Their businesses were falling apart because they were just going through that same freaking vicious cycle. And so like, those were the things that I was doing was like, you know what? Like be very diplomatic, Jerry. Like you can't speak for yourself. Again, like who do you need to uh, be to be politically correct? Literally around a community or a certain type of people, you know, um, even the way that I dressed, You know I I love fashion and being very comfortable if you would have met me probably the last six months or a year ago, I was in a suit every single day. You know comb over with my hair parted you know regimented by my schedule, you know um, what is it that you need to post on social media. You know, whether that was a scripture or a positive, you know, statement, you know, a picture of you and your family, right? You know, just falling into all of those norms and kind of thinking like, okay, well, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Well, supposed to do for what? You know, to to be accepted, to be liked by just like we hear often by a lot of other people that are also like living in that facade as well. And so that's really what it looked like for me, um, you know, even just a few months ago. You know um, the way that I carried myself, even in uh, my friendships. You know the relationship with my daughter. You know I couldn't be vulnerable and open because you know what Jerry it was considered and looked at as a leader, and, and leaders aren't weak, leaders aren't transparent, leaders aren't open. They're supposed to lead by example. You know, and leading by example means that you know you're you're out there producing, you're selling, you're making money, you're making moves, you're doing things. And then it's like, you know, but yet you have some of the poorest quality of life possibly. And yet where you can probably connect and relate to the most with other people that you're surrounded with are real life issues. All right. But that's exactly what I was doing. You know, I was at home, depressed, anxious, nervous, financially was struggling and, you know, walk into the office and be like, I need to get it together because people are following me. You know, I need to have all the answers. I need to provide them guidance. I need to take care of them. You know, and even the same way when it carried over into my marriage and then uh, being a father, was it kind of just had to have those same things all together. You know, I couldn't talk about my fears because one, they weren't validated. Like it was like, you know what? There were easy things to put on them um, whether I made excuses for them, you know, I did a lot of victim, like playing, um, shifting the blame. Well, you know what, like, I'm, like, that's not my fault, you know, it's a way that I was raised and, you know, I didn't have the same opportunities and, you know, or, you know, the race thing I'm Hispanic and you don't get those same opportunities, like all these kind of things. And just, um, but then also, like I said, in the context of those relationships was just like, I was like dealing with those on my own. And I was kind of just like, well, this is what you're supposed to do as a husband or as a dad. You don't talk about those things. You don't raise them up. You don't want to cause issues. And you know what? Like your family needs security. So security means like you don't scare them by bringing up difficult things because it's like, we got to have it together. Um, You know? And uh, so that's exactly like, that was kind of where I was at and just going through the motions of life wearing all those masks as crazy as it was trying to juggle and be um, this definition of like what the world said, what uh, the community said, or my church said, and all those kind of things. Um, and it just got to a breaking point.
0: That That is so crazy. So wearing all these masks, trying to be what everybody, you know, sees as like the perfect husband, the perfect, um, you know, businessman with the suit and the, and the perfect father and, really playing into the stories of what you think people want to see instead of being who you are and and leaving yourself essentially what it sounds like empty, right? Like you have nothing for yourself and you don't know yourself at that point because everything about you is what other people expect or want. And what it sounds like, it created these very hollow relationships that couldn't survive, right? Like, Like the marriage and even your old relationship with your daughter is is completely different now, right? Mm -hmm. Like talk about how investing in your self-care and and seeking those mentors and doing the self-help, how are you different now? And and especially even career-wise as well, because in the beginning for those listening, I always do an assessment, right? Like what is your perfect life? What is your ideal life? And people say what their ideal life is um, and they never believe it can happen. And the same, same thing with Jerry as well, right? Like, and often we, we will settle for the things that we're asking for because we're at such a low point that even just like a step up or the bare minimum is, is somewhat good enough for us. Mm -hmm. And I find that with a lot of men, um, they'll settle exactly like what you said. They'll just get a job to be the support system. They don't um, seek anything that inspires them and creates them. But you had this dream in the very beginning of our, Sessions where you said, like, do you remember the dream that you said to me that seemed unrealistic? What did you tell me that you if you could have anything in the world and do anything, what would it be?
1: <laughs> so I I remember, like, you know, and maybe it was vaguely, but I think we so we talked about like I was like, Man, I wish I could just be like a traveling DJ, I would travel the world just playing music, like <laughs>
0: And teaching at that time uh, was not something you were doing because you were going to church three times a week and, <laughs> and you were afraid that if people saw you doing music, it would not work well for your career, for your marriage. Mm-hmm. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And And I think they just, you didn't associate or take someone seriously that was like, that's what they do you know a dj plays music you know like i can't take that person seriously like that's um how they make a living you know that's that's a good husband or father you know like are they providing for their family you know is that that a real job or business you know or things like that um you know even like the way that i guess like i would dress and carry myself you know I I would, I used to like wake up in the mornings and I would look at my schedule, look at my calendar and be like, who am I going to see today? What do I need to wear for them? Literally. Now I wake up every morning. I'm like, what am I going to wear for Jerry? (laughs) What am I going to wear for Jerry? You know, I can Um,
0: remember the start of your journey. Like, and you know, you did this bit by bit. It's not like you just changed in one day, but watching you overcome these old, mindset beliefs and patterns and make these shifts started out small for you. Mm -hmm. They were small, but they were significant, right? Because you started making moves for yourself. So it's like, you had this dream in the beginning. I want to do, you also said something with fashion, right? You're like, I would love to be in fashion, love to be traveling DJ. And for you, it seemed ridiculous. It seemed like a dream. It seemed like maybe something you could do as a hobby, but I'm emphasizing this for everybody listening now, because six months later, Jerry is completely booked out with DJ gigs. He wears whatever the fuck he wants. And he no longer succumbs this idea that your dreams have to be small, that they have to be catered towards other people. And that's really why I wanted you to be on the podcast because you're a true definition of what it looks like to essentially like lose everything to
1: gain everything. Yeah, no you no doubt. You agree with that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I was going to say I think this, this would help cuz I know sometimes like it, it's like difficult to ponder that question like what do I want? Like if I could like just be whatever I wanted to or do whatever I could like who would I be? What would I do? And and here was the thing that was very apparent to me it was like as I thought about that I was like what do I not want? You know, it was easy for me. It was like, I had this like cluttered life of bullshit. Just like, I'm this person, that person, carry this mask, carry that mask. I'm over here. I'm over there. And it was like, you know what? Very clearly, I was like, I knew. I was like, I don't want to be that. (laughs) I don't want to do that. I don't want to associate with those people. I don't want to go there. I don't want to have that in my calendar or my schedule. And, you know, like we've talked about recently, one of the biggest things in getting back is like, okay, well, um, what do I value then? I value margin was one of my biggest values. And I think that's why I loved about considering like, oh, I could never DJ and travel because, you know, I just don't have the margin in my life for that. That wouldn't be possible i don't have the margin financially to think that that would be feasible or whatnot you know what as i like decluttered that it was like you know what did i find i found the margin to entertain the things that i really really wanted you know what but it wasn't easy right it was it was difficult because i'd been so conditioned for so long with so many things to have to give up or break some of those things or forego relationships or time in places, again, where you're supposed to spend it. Like, one of those things is I'm very close with my family. We all live in the same small town here, my siblings and everything. And we see each other all the time. And I was like, how's my family going to feel if I'm not spending the same amount of time with them all the time? <laughs> but, yet, yeah, that was one of those things I was always carrying. Like, man, I, just, I don't want to feel obligated. I've got to go to all of that you know what, but I'm giving up such valuable things for myself, like my time, my emotional energy that I just am absolutely empty, exhausted, just can't do it. And in turn, here we are now. And it's like from an abundance, it's overflowing. (laughs) And I'm like, hey, I've got time. If I want to entertain that, cool, I can do it. Financially, I've been very fortunate. It's like, yeah, I can do that. And on the DJing end of it went from like, oh, that's just a hobby, maybe here and there to like Now I can be selective with the clients or clientele or the things I want to pursue. And actually like, what, what what do I want to entertain now Uh, in the DJing business? Absolutely crazy.
0: So insane. Oh my God. All of the shifts in your, in the last six months of your life could be made into a movie. That's how insane the changes are that you've gone through. And we could talk for hours just about that, but um as we near the end of our time together, I would love just to hear if you have any tips for any of the men listening, if they're going through a time period like this, or they're going through a giant shift, if you could give them one little tip or bit of advice, what would it be?
1: You know, going through all of the change and all of the shift, probably one of the most difficult things to deal with and face is the reality, it was like, no one else is gonna be able to do the work for you, make the decisions. And I I think, and also in dealing with that, you're kind of like, you know, in, in ways I felt commonalities of like, when I was in these rough depressive times dealing with those masks and stuff, I always felt alone. I was like, right, like, I'm alone, I'm alone, I'm alone in this, right? Nobody knows how I'm feeling, what I'm going through. But then even as like, I'm like, facing and pressing into these fears, that same thought pattern was still there. of Like, I'm alone. Like, like, I'm alone. And like, Elise can't make this decision for me. You know, my child can't make this decision for me. And, you know, that was one of the things I struggle with. I'm very indecisive. You know, and, and I'm very, I struggle with having clarity on like, what does that look like so but still it's like no one could do that for you so there was still like there was still that was one of the hardest things to deal with and feel and the feeling of like you're alone so if there's something that i want to share with men that as they're going through those things because that may be something that doesn't go away still have those feelings now where i wake up some mornings i'm like uh oh, man like i'm um, Alone, like, but you know, where I, I feel more optimistic now than ever. The reality of it is, and I think, and again, that's that feeling because you feel like you're alone doesn't mean you are alone. You know what? Like, yeah, you may have to like contemplate, consider, and make hard decisions on your own, but you know what? Like, you're not. You're not. You are not the first man that is sitting there dealing with these struggles in terms of like your identity. Who do I need to be? What kind of mask am I am I wearing? I wasn't loved by my parents, my father. You know what? <clears throat> am I a good provider for my daughter? Am I being a good husband? Am I being a leader in my business, the community, whatever those kind of things is? Are? And I mean, so that would be my encouragement to these men is saying that you know what, you as as like the dichotomy of it is like you know what, you're not alone, but also that's my one of the most joyous things that comes out of it is like you know what? Like I did that. I love myself enough to, to go through that, to deal with it, to make the decisions. And you know what? I, it it may sound like very like egotistical or something, but you know, we, we just celebrated Thanksgiving. And I really had this moment where I was like, you know what? I'm thankful for me. And I am, I'm thankful for me that because you know what? Like I, would allow that to be stolen by so many other people before, giving everybody else the credit to say like, what have you done in my life? You've been a mentor for me, you've influenced me, you've done all these things, but you know what? At the core of it, it was like, we're left to deal with ourselves. And you know what? It was like, you know what? I'm thankful for me. Doing the work, making the decisions, facing the fears, being exposed, having the hard conversations, you know, being vulnerable, being open. And so that's what I would encourage and share with those men. If you're at that place, you're feeling like you're alone. I would want to hope, and I wish I could say like, hey, that's going to go away. The reality of it is I think, and in, in being alone is that you're going to find it, it grows into this. Like, you know what, I, I'm grateful that I'm alone in that, that it's now not dependent on anybody else. You know what, I can handle those decisions. I can face that. And, and that's what gives me so much optimism and encouragement going into the future, at least is because now like that template has changed for me. Those standards have changed for me. The pursuit of that has all changed. And the thing is, again, it's not dependent on anybody else. It's grown to a point where I'm like, you know what, like that can be handled. Like, I have examples of things that I have done now to be able to say, you know what, like that fear can be faced with you know, that life that I want to pursue and everything that has to offer can be a reality.
0: Amazing, amazing advice. And absolutely, you are the one who (laughs) had to make all those decisions and had to go through that. And uh, I appreciate you coming on today and sharing your story. And once again, stepping up and being vulnerable and being uh, an amazing example of how life can change very, very quickly when you embrace the fear and you dive into the things that before you might have avoided. So thank you so much, Jerry, for coming today. Thank you everybody who's listening, who's watching, who's continuing to work on themselves to become a better partner, father and man. And I will see you guys next time. Bye. See you guys.